This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! And welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 216, and I have not pod faded. No, I am back, and tonight we have not one, but two crapshoot features for you to explore with me. Are they going to be good? Are they going to be bad? I don't know. I'm not telling you yet because we have got other things to talk about. Now, first of all, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and for the next eh, maybe hour, hour and 15 minutes, I'm going to be your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, but you're going to have to view them through my very, very gay little eyes. And it's going to turn your world right upside down. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And also, I sing show tunes a lot. That wasn't a show tune. That's neither here nor there. Listen, we have got a lot to talk about. We have to talk about what happened. Now, some of you already know. If you follow me on Facebook or on Instagram, you know that two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, I was hospitalized with an infection of cellulitis that turned out to be a Staph MRSA infection. I was there for five days. And ever since then, I have been housebound and on bed rest until this leg gets better. Because apparently, moving around a lot makes it worse. I guess it increases the blood flow? I don't know. It was bad. It was bad. And that's why you didn't get an episode earlier this month. It was just not physically possible. It was not physically possible to record something. It was not physically possible to recycle something for you. It just couldn't be done. This got really bad really quick. I woke up one day and found this little spot on my leg, just this little pimply, ingrown hair looking thing, but it hurt too much. It felt like there was a nail in my leg, and I said, hmm, I am well acquainted with cellulitis and staph and MRSA infections. I've never had one, but I've been around enough people who have to know to keep an eye on this sort of thing. And by that night, I'd gone to the theater with Bradford to see some show. It doesn't matter what it was because I barely remember it. But it did have the guy who played the the butler on The Nanny in it. And it took me like half the show to recognize him. And when I did, I was like, oh my gosh, the butler the nanny. And I yelled in the middle of the show and he got really mad. No, that didn't happen. But anyway... By the time that show ended, I couldn't get out of my seat. My leg had locked up, and moving it felt like there was a knife in it. So I said, there's something wrong. I'm going to my doctor, which I did. He got got me an emergency appointment because he knows if you've got something. Anyway, if you're dealing with HIV-positive people and you get some weird spot and it starts to get crazy, that you need to get them in right away. So he took me right away, except I didn't get to see him. I got to see his physician's assistant. And I kind of knew I was up the creek with him because he wasn't listening to me. 
and didn't really seem that concerned that I had to basically crawl into the office because at that point my leg was not working at all. But he just put me on oral antibiotics, put me on amoxicillin, and I kind of knew in my gut that it wasn't going to work, and it didn't because the next day my leg, when I woke up, was swollen like a sausage and black. The entire leg was black. The thing with cellulitis and staph infections, they spread like wildfire and they can kill you. And I want to thank my friend Vinny Moreno for helping me get to the hospital because at that point the fever had set in and I was kind of delirious. No, I was delirious and he had called just for business reasons and I was babbling like an idiot and he says I'm calling 911. So he made sure I got to the hospital. I was planning on doing it anyway, but like I said, I was not making rational decisions. So it was like, I have to, you know, get the right shoes, you know, that kind of bullshit. And he's just like, fuck it, I'm calling an ambulance. And so five days later, I was released and now I'm home and it's been rough. I'm taking 22 pills a day now. It's addition to the four that I already take every day. That's 18 pills. Not different medications, but I'm taking 18 pills a day. Not to mention the visiting nurse who has to come in twice a day to help me with my bandage and to make sure that this thing isn't coming back. Because the thing is, if she came once a day or if she came every other day, if it did come back, it could spread quickly enough that it could kill me. But I'm doing better. It still looks gross down there. I'm able to walk finally uh, as of this week. I mean, I've been able to walk, but not well and not far. But now I'm getting along okay and the most problem is irritation from the bandage when I walk. But you know what? I'm okay. That's the important thing is I'm a survivor. He's a survivor and I'm gonna make it. I'm a survivor. Yeah. Now, I mentioned that I'm getting a visiting nurse. Which I was not happy about. I was just like, I don't, I don't have weird people coming to my house. And it's like, I know the house is going to be a wreck because I can't take care of myself. And I don't know who this person is. And I was delighted when this woman walked in the door. Because not only do I have a visiting nurse, she's sassy. Oh, Miss Thing likes to sass mouth me. And I was so happy. To have a wise-ass, sassy nurse that it wasn't until her second visit that I realized her name is Sassoon. Sass is in her name. Yes, Sassoon. Like, if you don't look good, we don't look good. Vidal Sassoon. Her name is Sassoon and she's sassy. She's sassy Sassoon. If this is a character in a movie, I wouldn't believe it. But she's great. I love her. She puts up with my crap. I put up with her crap. We pick on each other. It's great. Now, the most important part of this whole ordeal. I'm going to cover right now because it's time for a smoochy watch. Da -da 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 -da. What's going on with that cat? Oh, my God. Miss Thing was not happy. No, sir. Not happy at all. And... <laughs> I have a memory of getting up in the middle of the night because she wanted food at 5 a.m. because whatever. And I had become 
so unable to walk, I literally had to crawl on my hands and knees from the bed to the kitchen, feed the cat, and crawl back. And I remember I got down on my hands and knees, and she got up in my face like, what the fuck are you doing down here? This is my area. And I crawled to the kitchen. She crawled alongside me like, what, 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 what? Why are you cramping my style? No help. No help at all. Thanks, Kitty. But, yeah, not happy being alone for five days. Yeah, Mr. Brad came in and looked down her. So that looked on her and, you know, fed her and made sure she got her meds and everything. So that was fine. But she was not happy with me when I got home. She yelled at me for an hour. And this is Smoochie. She's 25 pounds of fury. So when she yells, she is you know, jungle bobcat, lynx, puma, panther, wildcat, monstrosity. And so she finally decided she had enough and just licked me and went to bed. So I'm forgiven. My favorite part of this particular part of the story is that Mr. Brad came in to see me at the hospital. His first time looking in on her and his, he's, he's shaken. I said, what's the matter, Brad? He said, your cat. I said, what? What's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, nothing's wrong. I changed the litter box. Uh-huh. She makes human poops. They're the size of a human poop. I said, I know. You lived here with her. You should remember. He said, I didn't remember that. I missed the little teeny tiny Mr. Sebastian poops. Said, All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She looks like a lady. She walks like a lady. She acts like a lady. She poops like an elephant. That's my girl. But the thing that's funny is that Miss Smoochie hates Sesun. Whenever she's over, she is so damn jealous. Most of the time, like I, you guys know, Smoochie's a standoff kitty. She's been through a lot. She's part Maine Coon. They're a standoff, not particularly affectionate cat. However, when she's there and and and, and Sassoon is wrapping my leg, which, by the way, Smoochie and I are twins now. You know, I got a wrap on my leg. She's got one on her tail. We are totally, totally twins, but of course she wore it best. And I am the bitch who stole her look, but that's neither here nor there. Because Sassoon will be wrapping my leg and Smoochie will hop up next to her and get in her face and just go. This is a sound I have never heard her make before. (laughs) So I'm assuming this is feline equivalent of why you touching my man. Why you got to come in here and take my man. Next thing you know, you'll be coming here and trying to take big fat pigeon away from me. But I don't think even Sassoon can break up that star-crossed romance. So aside from that, not much has been going on. Okay, I just have to say fuck 2018 at this point. I mean, yeah, everything that's going on in current events is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Between the school shootings and, you know, the government crap, and I'm just done with everything. But on top of that, this year has sucked for me, starting with getting robbed by Mr. Paul Kennedy... Spending all of February fighting off the flu. And now this. And the worst part of this situation, this last bit of it, is that I had to drop out of the underpants cadet. This all went down less than a week beforehand. 
I got admitted on Tuesday before the Monday before we're supposed to open. And no, I'm sorry, Thursday. I got admitted Thursday, the Monday. Uh, so just a few days before we're supposed to open. And I knew, fuck. Maybe I'll get out in time. Maybe I'll get out in time. But no, 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 no. No, it was time when I realized I'm going to have to quit the show. And that hurt. You guys know I've been building it up on here. For several episodes, I had Duncan and Mark on. I had Alyssa on. And I've never had a drop out of a show before like this. And especially one that I love this much. And it really broke my heart. But I couldn't walk. And as you all know, most of you anyway, those of you who aren't new know that I was supposed to be in a state of undress. I can't be in a state of undress with this gigantic gash on my leg. And I also really shouldn't be around in a dirty theater with all these people and germs and shit at that point. No, it just wasn't going to happen. So, um, oh, well, oh, well, these are the things that said, but, but, but I do want to say one thing before I got set. Bradford and I got to go to the theater and we got to see Spongebob Squarepants the musical on Broadway. I have to say, this is a show that shouldn't work. It's vastly commercial. It is, you know, not exactly the weightiest material and every song in it has been written by someone else. It's not one composer and lyricist. No, every song was written by a different, you know, pop artist. You know, Cindy Lauper's in there, and Jonathan Coltane's in there, and even David Bowie's in there. And they wrote all these songs separately. But it works. And it works brilliantly. It's, I was grinning like an idiot from start to finish. So if the tour is coming through your area, and you're thinking, eh, maybe should I go, should I not go, go. Well, the best part about it was that it was a fucking sold-out house, and there was like three kids in the whole place. It was all a bunch of grinning, drooling, clapping along like idiots, adults like myself, and the best part in it. There is a song for Patrick the Starfish. Because the basic story of this is there's a volcano that's going to wipe out Bikini Bottom. And for some reason, the sardines decide that Patrick is a prophet and a guru and a weird cult religion is forming around Patrick the Starfish. And they have a whole song that's basically like Jesus Christ Superstar, but Patrick Star Superstar. And it was all about how awesome Patrick is. And we love Patrick. And Patrick's the greatest. And Patrick's going to save the world. And I'm going, I can totally get behind this song. This song should win the Everything Award for being the best song ever written. I can get behind some Patrick Love like that. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Patrick, stupid stuff. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I loved every second. It was great. It was great. So if you're going to, if it's in the area, that's great. The, oh, this was fun. The day I got admitted to the hospital, as the uh, Percocet, I'm sorry, as the morphine high started to wear off and I'm, Sitting alone in my hospital bed at night, and I'm just you know sending messages to people that need to know what's going on. I got a message that I won the Hamilton lottery for the next day. I had won two ten dollar tickets to Hamilton third row center. I said, "You gotta be." Fucking kidding me. Why didn't you just kick me in the dick while I'm down, bitch? 
that ain't right. That ain't right. But hey, remember Jennifer Elliott like way, way back in the first year of the show? She came on. We talked about one of the nightmare haunted houses. Yeah. Well, after I got out, she's like, well, I saw your post. And she had come to visit me, and that was awesome. So thank you for that, Jennifer. She had come to visit me in the hospital, and she brought me snacks. Again, yes, thank you. Because hospital food, bleh, snacks good, yes. But it's like, well, you know, well, basically she got tickets to Hamilton for Christmas from the person she was seeing at that time. And now they've broken up. And she's like, well, I have a ticket for Hamilton on Sunday, but I know you just got out of the hospital, but I would give it to you if you come with me. Uh, I'm down. I'm down because I might have missed I might have missed that performance that I won the lottery for when I was in the hospital, but I was not giving it up my penicillin shot. I'm not gonna miss my penicillin shot. That's a funny joke. No, it's not really. But yeah, so I got to see Hamilton. No, it wasn't the third row center. No, we were all the way in the back, but it's fucking fabulous. It actually is as amazing as you've heard. And my brain was looking at it going, I get it now. Now that I see everything in context, I'm going, okay, this is the story of a you know, dude, penniless, orphan, son of a prostitute, immigrant, who yet at 19 years old managed to help orchestrate one of the biggest revolutions in world history, one that did, as the lyrics keep saying, turn the world upside down. And it's told in the language of you know hip hop and rap, which is its own revolution. So you're using revolutionary language to speak to a much younger Broadway audience than normal about how you can turn the world upside down. And it doesn't matter how fucking old you are; you just gotta fucking try. And you know what? What I don't know what it's trying. But anyway, I get it. I totally get why it is a social and cultural touchstone right now because this lit a fire under my ass. And if it's doing that for me, I can just imagine what's like for the people who it is truly speaking to, like the brown and and black faces that have been erased from this story. And now all of a sudden this dusty old farty people in wigs kind of a story is being told in a language that – I got got nothing. Anyway, it's fucking Hamilton. I'm not going to go on about Hamilton because this is not the Hamilton cast. This is a goddamn horror podcast. So while I was in Le Hotel, I got to watch a lot of television and a lot of it – Almost all of it was complete garbage. Now, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you've already gotten a list of things to take off your queue. And two movies not to be missed. But you're not going to hear about those ones here. Sorry, that's subscribers only. Sorry, but I do have some for you. This is something that got me mad, though. I was watching on Shutter before I went into the hospital something called The Night of something strange. It was the day after the Oscars. And within the first 10 minutes of this movie, there were two rapes. A camera that went up a dead nude woman's vagina. Like nice close-up of a dead woman's vagina. There were tampon jokes. There were period jokes. And someone got fisted to death in the vagina. And I said, you know what? Uh-uh. And then I'm, I'm trying to stick with it. And the characters, all the men are, you know, the teenage guys are just all awful, misogynistic douchebags. And 
the female characters were just like slutty airheads who let the guys get away with this kind of crap, you know, just enabled this kind of bullshit. And I'm thinking, you know what? We're better than this. Okay, I mean, I realize this was probably written by someone, I don't know, a, a younger and a, a, whatever, but if this was so juvenile and crude. We're better than this. Get Out just won an Oscar. The Shape of Water just won an Oscar. Granted, that's not really hard, but still. We can do better than this. Yeah, if you want to set your bar for the lowest common denominator, then, well, you, you're, yeah, I know. No. If you're able to turn me off of your movie in 15 minutes, less than 15 minutes, that's a record. And I wasn't even sick then. And I just want to take a minute because I covered this on the Patreon feed uh, when I reviewed The Shape of Water. But I know people are saying, Listen, then, 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 it's just about a guy who fuck, uh, girl who fucks the fish and it's the creature from the Black Lagoon. No, sweetheart. Let me explain this to you. The Shape of Water is about the queerest fucking movie. Queer positive fucking movie that you are likely to see. Underneath the fairy tale veneer, there is a very clear and very subversive political and sociological message. Because in this movie, the people who unite to fight a tyrannical, egotistical, sociopathic, religious wingnut monster are women, people of color, gays, scientists, immigrants, and the disabled. All of those people are being currently attacked by our administration right now. And oh, by the way, all these people unite to keep the said tyrannical monster from destroying unconventional love how much queerer can you get no it's not a gay movie but it is queer as fuck and i liked it before we start wrapping up this segment there are a couple of people i just want to say something very special to first of all jennifer elliott thank you for coming to see me thank you for the tickets nurse akiko from mount sinai thank you for being the most kick-ass nurse i have ever dealt with in a hospital uh, really, anyway, in my life, she was not only fabulous to me, but the way she handled the roommate that I had for a while, who turned out to only be there for the morphine and the opiates, had absolutely nothing wrong with him. She handled him in a way that was strict, no nonsense, and professional. And I was, had I not been rolling on pills myself, I would have given her a standing ovation, stood up on my bed, and went, Hi! But I didn't. But Akiko, you're awesome. And hey, if you were one of those students who got up and walked out of your class last week, you are my fucking hero right now. Okay? You are absolutely brilliant. You are absolutely brave. I am 100% behind you. If I am able to get there, I am going to be marching with you guys on Saturday at the New York rally against gun violence. I will be there. And because, like I said, I was trying to stay with Hamilton, but my words were escaping. Like, you guys are the ones who have the power to fix all this. You guys, despite young people, are actually starting the revolution 
that the rest of us haven't been able to. So bravo to you. You guys are amazing. But the biggest thank you has to go to the amazing Mr. Brad, who was so above and beyond in his attention to my whole situation, you know, the, that coming like twice a day to the hospital, taking care of Smoochie, running back and forth, taking care of all his business for me at huge expense to himself. Totally stepped up to the plate. Not only stepped up to the plate, I danced on the plate, made the plate into a hat and sashayed down a runway that he also just carved with his own little two little monkey paws. But you know what? Bristol Brad was awesome. And you know what? Every single fucking one of you are the Scream Queens of the Week. Akiko, Jennifer, all you kids who walked out of the schools, and Mr. Brad, you are all the Scream Queens of the Week. I am spewing tiaras everywhere. I just put like a whole crate of tiaras into my tiara gun like a fucking t-shirt gun, and I am blasting it out all over the world. Pa-poom, 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 pa-poom. The rest of y'all better duck. Because you don't want to get a tiara in the face, in your eyes, in your in your butt. Oh, tiara in the butt, that would be terrible. Hi, hi, 911. What's the nature of your emergency? I have a tiara in my butt. They'd be like, Patrick Walsh? No! No, but I listened to his show. Anyway, guys, I have babbled long enough. It is time to begin the show proper. And it's time to begin the crap shoot. Let the poo-poo flinging begin. Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crap shoot. <laughs> Paul? 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 Oh. Ew, 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 ew. Oh. So for those of you who are new to the show, the crap shoot is a segment where I dive headfirst into that vast sea of direct-to-video horror movie releases in search of that one shimmering diamond in that enormous shit pile. And the question is, did I find it this week? Or did I get another piece of crap? Well, I believe I've already told you in the introductory section that I did not just find one diamond in this shit pile. I found two. Two entirely different diamonds in the shit pile. And I'm going to tell you about them right now. I got to do it one at a time. I can't tell you about both at the same time because that would just be ridiculous. So the first one that I discovered is a little movie called The Limehouse Gollum. And if you like your Victorian murder mystery streets with gore and a little bit of history, I think you're going to love this one. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Yeah! I'm Inspector Kildare of Scotland Yard. I'm investigating a series of deaths. They're calling them the Limehouse Golem Murders. At Ratcliffe Highway, he slaughtered a household. The previous week, a prostitute... Golem's a madman. Even madness has its own logic. Inspector Kildare. I may have found an eyewitness in Limehouse, sir. I can't tell you what I know. Just assist me. I promise I won't let anything happen to you. Who was here on September the 24th? There were four men that day. John Cree. Dan Leno. George Gissing. Karl Marx. The newspaper said it was your first murder case. The yard is setting me up as a scapegoat. 
The public want blood. The golem provides it. He who observes spills no less blood than he who inflicts the blow. It's a message to us. still at large. Wasting my time could cost lives. I believe the golem is after me. I shall stop this. I guarantee it. We all wear pantomime masks, do we not? Here we are! Again! In the years just before Jack the Ripper began his reign of terror, that gripped the whole world to this day. The city of London had another monster on its hands. The Limehouse Golem. And unlike Jack the Ripper, who, while terrifying in his own right, did have a pattern. You knew who he was going to kill, and you pretty much knew how he was going to kill them, but the Limehouse Golem? No, sir. Random random, young, old, rich, poor, from all walks of life, no one was safe, and every killing was completely different, each horrific in its own right, but also inventive. The golem never kills the same way twice. So how do you know it's the same person? Oh, that's because the golem likes to leave a calling card. A message scrawled in blood by the bodies of his victims. So, the Limehouse Golem, from what I understand, was supposed to star the late, great Alan Rickman, who died before it got into production. And that's sad, because I'm pretty sure that's why this movie didn't get the distribution it deserves. Instead, we get Bill Nye in the role of Inspector Kincaid. And Bill Nye, you know him, he was... um. Uh, Sean's dad, Simon Pegg's dad in Shaun of the Dead. He was in uh, Love Actually. All these great British stuff. He's a great British character actor. And he's playing the detective who has been all the, I'm sorry, the inspector who has suddenly been assigned to this case very late in the game. What does that mean? Well, I'll explain it to you. And I'll have to do it the way the movie does because the movie begins and we're watching what seems to be a music hall telling of the story of the Limehouse Golem. And the first words we hear are, in order to tell this tale, we must begin where it ends. So that's what I'll do. On this day, this one horrible morning, it is discovered that the Golem has struck yet again, and this time he has wiped out an entire family. A shopkeeper and his wife and his two young children, and his servants. It's a horrific bloodbath. On the same morning, a woman goes to wake up her husband in the morning. Well, obviously, it's in the morning, because I just said it was the morning, but whatever. You know, she goes to wake up her husband and discovers that he's dead. That he's poisoned. In what might be a suicide. But when the police come from the Gollum case to investigate this case, they said, hmm... 
It appears to have been served to him in this draft, this, this cocktail that you made for him last night, young lady, and she's the wife is now arrested for the murder of her husband. What do these two things have to do, to do with each other? Nothing yet, but they will. Now, I mentioned that the inspector, Inspector Kincaid, is being assigned to this late in the game. There's been another very high-profile inspector doing this. You know, the toast of the town is all of a sudden stepping down and turning everything over to him, and it seems all very curious. But Kincaid knows why. Because it seems that years ago, Inspector Kincaid, well, early in his career, was just shot down, was ruined from ever achieving any sort of greatness at Scotland Yard because rumors began to circulate about him. Rumors that he was not the marrying kind, if you get my drift. If you don't get my drift, you might not be aware. Some of you younger kids might not be aware that up until not too very recently in the UK, it was illegal to be a practicing homosexual. You would go to prison for life or you would be chemically castrated. But since it was just all rumors, you know, Kincaid's been assigned to a desk job all these years. But now all of a sudden he's been put in charge of the most high-profile case in London. Why? Well, because it seems that, you know, the higher-ups at Scotland Yard just finally want to get rid of him. They're going to put him on to this. He won't be able to handle it. He'll fuck up. We never found anything about him being a homosexual, but he'll screw this up, and now we can finally fire him. So he knows he's being set up by disaster for disaster. However, Kincaid discovers something very important at the scene of the last murder. Yes, there is the message on the wall, as there always is, but this time it's the one you heard in the trailer, and I'm paraphrasing. It's the one that basically says, the hands of the spectator are soaked with blood as the hands of the one who killed And he recognizes that quote. He's like, that is from a book that some dude wrote. It's a whole thesis on murder as a high form of art. And when he goes to inspect this book in the National Library, he discovers not only, yeah, he's right, that quote is in there, but also the golem has been using this book as a sort of diary in the margins of murder as a high art form are detailed, dated accounts of his plans and descriptions of the crimes in lurid, lurid, delightful, gory, grisly terms. So this makes things very simple. He says to the librarian, who was here on these dates? Because you have to sign into this library before you can look at books. You can't take these books out. You have to sit here and read them, but you have to sign in to be in this library. And it turns out there's only four men in all of London. Four who were there on all of those dates. And one of them is the man that was found poisoned at the beginning. So he realizes that, aha, he might not only be able to catch the golem, but he just might be able to save that woman's life. She has been arrested for murder. If she's convicted, she's going to hang. But if it turns out that that guy is the golem, her husband was the golem, she might be a hero instead. So he might be able to save everybody. What makes this great is that well, everything, because it turns out this woman, who's played by Olivia Cook, who is fabulous in this, she gave up her career when she got married. She gave up her career 
as a music hall star. Yeah, she was a big child star in the musical. And so a lot of her story, a lot of the movie is set against the backdrop, the incredibly lurid, dirty, vulgar, yet fabulously intriguing world of the London music hall scene. And I'm not talking about opera house. I'm not talking about theater. I'm talking about music hall. We're talking about dirty songs and girls in their underpants. This is not high art. And everything that's happening here is fantastic. It all just builds together in wonderful layered performances and layered story. And it is exciting. It is gripping. And when it gets down to it, it's fucking gross. The Gollum is gross. The murders are gross. And you think you're getting some gore as the story goes along. You get little snippets of it here and there when we're getting things recounted through the diary. But man, when the Gollum is revealed at the end and you get a walkthrough of every single crime, I was going to hurl. And you will love this movie. It will keep you guessing. It will keep you on the edge of your seat. And also, it teaches a valuable lesson about gay history. That it, yeah, okay, this was in 1880. Yeah, that's what, 140 30 years ago now at this point, yeah, or plus, 30 plus years. But these laws were in effect until not so long ago. You know, through the 40s, through the 50s. I'm not sure when they stopped in London, but, you know, we do not have, we have not been an accepted people for very long, gay people. And we're still not, and we're losing traction. And it, this is a great, fun thing. You know what? I'm babbling. You know what? Just go, go to Tubi TV. And find the Limehouse Gollum. You will not be disappointed. If you like murder mysteries, you will love it. If you like horror, you will love it. If you like, I don't know, dirty songs and girls in their underpants, you will love it. If you like historical fiction, you will love it. Because a lot of these characters, even though the story is fictional, are based on real people. And it's making me want to do more research about some of the characters that were in there. The, the real life characters that were involved because there's there's a whole thing with a book that this is based on but it's not a novel it's from never mind i can't even describe it just go watch the movie the lighthouse golem catch him if you can and if i said that it was available on 2b tv before i lied if that's what i said earlier because i think i did and now i can't find it when i went back and looked for it that's not where it is you can catch the limehouse golem only on Hulu. Not Tubi, Hulu. Got it? Hulu. Hulu. second crapshoot selection for this episode is a movie called Arbor Demon from 2016. And some wise-ass I saw on the YouTube channel where the trailer is like, Arbor Demon? That means Tree Demon. How stupid. I'm like, well, not really, because that's exactly what it is. Anyway, Arbor Demon is directed by this guy named Patrick Ray. So this selection was not entirely as random as the crapshoot selections normally are, because... Throughout the course of time, at some point, Patrick Ray and I had started following each other on Facebook, you know, due to the, our mutual love of horror and stuff. And I had noted that he's a director and a writer and does all kinds of cool stuff out in Hollywood. And some months ago, I saw him post something about his movie Arbor Demon. And I said, ah, okay, I have to remember that movie. I would like to see that. And part of that 
was A, because I knew Patrick Ray and I'd like to give his work a chance and also because Patrick Ray is really cute. Heterosexual as they come, but hey, a guy can dream. So my choice for this one, even though I was laid up in the hospital, was still driven by my libido. Hey, we all heal in different ways, right? But is the movie any good? Uh, well, we're going to have to find out after we listen to the trailer. I had the dream again last night. What about the woods? The woods. But our woods. It was special. It was peaceful. We can stay in bed the weekend. Stay. Oh, God. Maybe when we come back, we can have a conversation about having a little rock star. I don't know why you're bringing this up, though. We're the exciting couple that travels, has adventures. Let's just enjoy the time we have together, okay? Hey, you remember the echo? Cool, cool! Beautiful after all along. Hello. Maybe we'll get lost together. No, you're safe with me. Dana! What about a bear? Nothing's getting into this tent. gather it from the trailer, Arbor Demon is the story of this young couple who, to celebrate their second anniversary, take a romantic getaway into the woods where they first got engaged. Except things do not go as planned because, well, turns out there's all these hunters in the woods and they're set up next to their camp and they're shooting guns and carousing all the time and it's not very romantic. And then what makes it worse? Well, the hunters are torn apart by some horrible, invisible force. Ripped to shreds, killed, dead, terribleness everywhere. This isn't sexy. This isn't a romantic getaway in the woods at all. But one of the hunters survived. And they take pity on the poor man and save him. And tend to his wounds and let him stay in their tent. Meanwhile, this thing is besieging them. Can our three mismatched heroes survive the night and make it out of the woods alive? I don't know. I'm not going to tell because this movie is a find. My hat is off to you, Patrick Ray, because this blew my mind. Now, 
part of it is the cast. What we have here is essentially a three-character story. There's really nobody else here. Well, four if you want to count the supernatural force outside. But for the most part, we are confined to this tent. And we have a lot of character development between these three characters. You cannot have asked for a better cast because we have in the cast, we have the fabulous Fiona Dura. You know her. She's the daughter of legendary character actor Brad Dorf, horror legend Brad Dorf, and she was absolutely fantastic in Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky. Yeah, her. Yeah, 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 her. She's she's in this. She's the gal, and her husband is played by Kevin Ryan, who used to be a soap opera star back in the day, and he used to be on a show called Copper that I enjoyed, and rounding out the cast is Jake Busey. He's playing that injured hunter that I talked about. The X-Factor. Well, aside from the X-Factor outside, but anyway. I've heard a lot of people disparaging this movie because the gore factor is low. There's almost none. So if you're in it for that, you're not going to enjoy it. They also say it's too talky and there's too much focus on the characters. And I say absolutely not because you guys know me by now. I want to give a shit about the people in the movie that I watch. I want to care if they live or if they die. I want all three of these people to make it through the night. Well, Jake Music maybe not so much, but even so, something about this movie made me think about the Stephen King movie, The Mist. In that, as I was watching that movie, it dawned on me, I'm like, you know, it really doesn't matter what's outside. It could be anything out there because the real story is the tension between the people in that supermarket. And that's what's going on here. The story between the three people trapped in the tent is so strong that the monster outside almost, almost becomes arbitrary. Or should I say, arbitrary. (laughs) I still got it. I may be sick, but I'm hilarious. Considering it's an incredibly small space and very few characters, you got a fairly intense chess match going on. Psychological chess match going on between these three people. Aside from the fact there's something outside wanting to chew on your insides. And even though, as I said, there's not much gore, it doesn't matter because for me, the chills were there. Sure, it may not be out and out scary scary, but it had the long lingering kind of oogie chills that I like, the ones that I'm thinking about later after the movie's over rather than something that I forgot about by the time the credits rolled. And that's a neat trick. And what I thought was really ballsy of you, Mr. Ray, is that he goes the Jaws route for the most part. You don't see the monster until the last reel. And when it is revealed in all its glory, it's broad daylight. That's ballsy. And I applaud that because I thought it looked great. I thought the design was great. There's an emotional connection to the monster at this point, which is rare. And these things as well, as things are revealed, as its secrets, what it wants, because, you know, maybe it wants to eat you, or maybe it wants something else. What does it want? I'm not telling you. And to think, I almost turned this off, and I'll tell you why. I touched on this a little bit with the Patreon people in my last episode there. I watched a ton of stuff while I was in the hospital and while I've been recuperating, and almost all of it has been garbage. Garbage, 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 garbage. But 
I had just watched on Netflix this Irish movie called Nails about a ghost terrorizing a woman in a hospital. And it was awful. Laughably bad. And in the first five minutes of this movie, you find out Fiona Dourif's nickname, her character's nickname, is Nails. So when her husband started calling her Nails, I'm like, what is it with the Nails? I've had it. I am not watching another Nails movie about some stupid ghost that doesn't have any defined powers. No, fuck this. No, but I stuck through it, and I'm so glad I did. And it makes me excited. When I see something like this, which, I mean, I don't know what the budget for this movie is, but, I mean, if it was a choice not to do gore, or if it was a budgetary reason, or a little bit of both, I don't care. You were able to do, Mr. Ray, a hell of a lot, with very little. Like I said, most of this movie is confined to the insides of a tent. And yet, the movie still somehow feels expansive. When we're outside, the woods feels like a character. Which, if your movie is called Arbor Demon and which your demon is somehow connected to the trees and nature itself, the woods better damn well be alive in that kind of a way. And they were. The score is great. It's shot extremely well. And I was glued to it. And here's the thing that's amazing. I almost turned it off too because A, the nails things ha- the, uh, the nails thing happened. And then I'm like, and Jake Busey's in this? Uh let me tell you something that I told Mr. Ray after I watched this movie. I said one of the things that absolutely sold this movie was that Jake Busey is the least Jake Busey I've ever seen him. Sure, he's playing like creepy exposition dude who's also possibly dangerous. And that would normally be an excuse for any Busey to just go off the rails into goofy, cuckoo, over-the-top, crazy lit, and he doesn't. His performance is so restrained and so layered and so nuanced. They said, oh, there he is. He can actually act. Wow. And when you get the three of them together, it is tense. There were times where scenes between the three main characters were so tense, I forgot the monster outside. I got so wrapped up in the drama in there that the monster outside almost became incidental until it shows up and starts terrorizing everybody. Then it's not incidental at all. No, sir. No, sir. Arbor Demon is available for free on Hulu. I highly recommend it. And please check it out and let me know what you thought. And if you hated it, you can beat me up. And if you loved it, you can buy me cookies. Okay, because I'm still sick. You know what? No one has brought me cookies. Jennifer, yeah, she came to visit. She brought me apples. Apples are great. I want cookies. Okay, so send me some cookies. I've also heard that giving someone cookies is the best way to ward off an arbor demon attack. Yeah. So if you... Anyway, arbor demon, I highly recommend it. And Mr. Patrick Ray, I can't wait to see what else you've got in store for us. So bring it on, baby. Woo! And before we wrap this up, I just want to say really quickly that I have to take a moment... To applaud myself, yes, because I got through this whole review talking about a movie that's in the woods, about a couple that went into the woods to celebrate their anniversary in the woods. I keep talking about people going into the woods, and at no point did I sing the musical Into the Woods, nor at any point did I call Patrick Ray Norma Ray, which for some reason my brain has wanted to do for the last 12 minutes. That is why I had to keep calling him Mr. Ray, because if I didn't call him Mr. Ray, I was afraid that I would call Patrick Ray Norma Ray. 
And I didn't ask permission. So now, from here on, if I cover your stuff in the future, Patrick, may I call you Norma? Into the woods, it's time to go to fight the Arbor Demon. Damn it! I almost made it. God damn it. of the show, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, I want to tell you something. Normally, when I record a solo episode like this, I can get everything done in a day, recording-wise. Get all the segments recorded, even though I don't do them, you know, together, you know, record a little bit, take a little break, I'll get it done in a day. But given the way things are right now, it has taken me currently four days to get to this segment. I can do about 20 minutes of work before my brain starts to fizzle. I'm still not 100% yet, obviously. I'm on tons of pills. And as a result, I'm just going to have to let those voicemails that I have that have been sitting in the docket since January, I'm just going to have to let them go at this point. And I want to thank all of you who got in touch with me, who sent me uh, a message or a tweet or a text during all this with your well wishes. Thank you. It meant a lot, and it broke my heart that I wasn't able to put out a show when I was supposed to. I, I don't like that. I don't like not being able to, you know, be there. It's my job, damn it. You're going to be off watching terrible movies, and who knows what's going to happen. But it made me feel really good, and it cheered up some very, very dark and lonely days when I was hooked up to an IV with nothing to do but listen to the asshole next to me moan for morphine. But we're not talking about him right now because that was a terrible story. But anyway, I guess I just have to say it that this is going to wrap this puppy up for another episode. But if you do want to get in touch with the show going forward, please pick up your phone and give me a call at 917-720-2047. Or if you're old-fashioned, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with what? What? I know it's been a long time, but it's with what? That's right, a Z! You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens, where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter, at Scream Queens. I am on Instagram, at Scream Queens Podcast. And if you dare, if you are up to the challenge, if you want bonus episodes every month and extra content and exclusive stuff that you're not going to get here, you can become a Patreon subscriber. You can head on over to www.patreon.com slash screamqueens. Find a package plan that suits you and enjoy some extra fun stuff from Scream Queens and also help contribute to the show and make it better. The next big step is going to be getting a new logo design, which means possibly merchandise and also boring, boring. I'm getting new recording equipment because the audacity is great, but Hindenburg is better. Unlike the blimp, it ain't a disaster. It's fabulous. It does all the work for you. Let's face it, right now, that would be amazing, but that's coming, that's coming, and anyway, it's so good to be back with you all, it's so good to be hanging out and talking to you and and just back in the swing of things, it makes me very happy, so what is coming up around the corner? Oh my god, you're gonna die when I tell you, because the next episode, which was scheduled to be this episode in this slot, the second episode of uh, March, is now gonna be the first episode in April. I'm going to have, back on the show once again, Kristen and Dan from the Killing Your Darlings podcast, and they are here to talk about 1973's British cult classic, The Wicker Man. And that makes me want to stick my hand down my panties and go, Wicker, 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 did I just say that? 
Oh my god, that was terrible. Is that the porn version? Is that the porn spoof of the Wicker Man? The Wicker Man? <laughs> Given everything that's going on, and has been going on, something almost slipped my attention completely, but I did not realize that in April, we have an extra special day on the calendar, one that is practically sacred to the Scream Queens listening community. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but in April, there's a Friday the 13th on the calendar. And I don't know if you know what that means, but I'm going to tell you what that means. It's time for another Friday the 13th Spectacular! And yes, since we have run the course of all the Friday the 13th movies, because if you're new to the show, normally, since I'm very old and saw all the Friday the 13th in the movie theater, my whole thing was when a Friday the 13th popped up on the calendar, I do the next installment in the Friday the 13th franchise, but we've done them all. So I made a commitment last time that for a while, I'm going to try taking a look at movies that were made by the same people who made some of the Friday the 13th movies. Try to continue the tradition that way. And this one, the movie that I picked for this session, will be doing Double Duty. I made sure to put a liquid U in there like the British do so it's not double duty because you guys have dirty minds, okay? And that movie is 1986's April Fool's Day. And joining me for that are two more of my favorite heterosexuals, Allison and Brian, Allison Nowacki and Brian Polk. Allison Nowacki, the girl who loves tits, and Brian Polk, the guy that puts up with the girl who loves tits. So that's going to be super fun because neither one of them have seen it. I I I don't I mean I don't, I don't I don't I don't know what else to say and I'm excited April's going to be a whole lot of fun and I'm going to I'm really looking forward to spending it with you. So, until next time, my beautiful beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. You did a great job at it while I was gone. I was keeping tabs on you on social media and I was like, "You guys are fucked up and I love it." But also, never ever ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Yeah. I'm speaking from experience right now. I almost died, bitches. Almost. Not quite. Hey! Bye! I go hunting for witches. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs> Before we go, I have been reminded by a certain gargoyle that's sitting over my shoulder right now that Flem lost a dear friend and collaborator recently. And I would like to honor this person's memory by playing the first and what was sadly the only collaboration between Flem and this person by playing an excerpt, excerpt from Night of the Living Podcast, episode 84. 
<laughs> we had a, uh, a message we didn't play last time. Okay, uh, get, yeah. get on it. Get down on it. Greetings once again, <gasps> you bubbling puddles of horse pizzle, otherwise known as the, oh, we're too cool for a full title now, so we're just N-O-T-L-P. Although, personally, if you ask me, N-O-T-L-V-D would have been a much better name since Night of the Living Venereal Disease just seems more fitting. Now, I realize that you might be getting a double dose of me this week, but that's just too damn bad. Whose fault is that, hmm? Who went changing the time you record your steaming, miscarried fetus of a show so that my previous etiquette lesson would be late and so that it would not get played? Worse than late, you made me tardy. So this time I'm getting my entry in nice and early this week because make me tardy once, that's all right. Make me tardy twice. Well, that's retardy, and mm-hmm. well, if you make me retardy, I might as well just move into Cincinnati and live with you, douchecocks. But anyway, I'm going to keep this short, because I have got to count them one, two points I want to make. Point number one, Rambo. Now, have you all forgotten what happened last year at this time? Hmm? When Freddy was so fired up to do an all-Rambo show that he ignored my warnings of the dire consequences that he would face. When he got poopy pants so bad that he left a turd pile so gargantuanly big that they had to give it its own zip code? Hmm? Did we forget about that? Well, by all means, Freddy, go ahead. Do another Rambo show. And I guarantee that your running with the big blue dildo earlier this year will seem like a game of Candyland in comparison. (laughs) And now, which brings me to point number two. Now, even though I was ignored by the Gummy Award Academy this year, I have been kind enough to grant a single Flimmy Award. And the Flimmy Award goes to the sexiest moment in podcasting history ever. And the award goes to... Mikey Chizak! Yes, Mikey Chizak, for sharing with us his erotic, sexy, sexy dream. You know, when he was um, um, having hot butt sex with Shirley Hemphill from, you know, TV's What's Happening, and he's doing her and her mammoth badonka donka donk and all of a sudden, the tip of his penis got torn off, and, you know, he had to run through the forest with his severed knob tucked safely in his mouth. And there he is with his penis, it's inside of his mouth, it's slowly and sweetly melting away like some cock-flavored Johnny Rancher. <laughs> Hot stuff. Well, congratulations, Jayzak. For the last time in 07, you got me to smash my computer, flippy-flap out into the night, and make whoopee with the first thing I could catch. Which this time turned out to be Dr. Stephen Hawking. Hi. Flood made me his bitch. His bitch on wheels. Hot. You get it? That was humorous. I'm crippled. Splits my ass open like an overripe watermelon. Yo. A wheelchair watermelon with a Nobel Prize and a big hole full of demon semen. Hey, that rhymes. I'm hilarious. I should do stand-up. If I could only stand up. But seriously, folks. Thank you. I'll be here all week, or at least until Flem Power fucks me to death. Peace out, my niggers. Um, wow, Dr. Hawking, thank you very much. Oh my god. Well, I don't know about you folks, but that talk has got me hotter than Paris Hilton with a waffle iron in a hood. So, um, I'm gonna go and make some crudite out of that sexy vegetable. So, all I got to say to you is... Oh my god.
not that. It's he's he's an honorary. Yeah, he's he's down. He's down with the cause. Down with the pipe and brothers. Yeah, the power pipe. He likes to lay pipe. That's right. Thank so, you, Flo. Okay, so, um... Uh, he's mad at us. So, honey, you got an award for putting a dick in your mouth. Yay! It's good it was yours. It was my dick, so technically I'm not gay. <laughs> so when do I get an award for that? <gasps> That's awesome. When you do it better than me. Oh! <laughs> so, in perhaps what is the weirdest way we possibly could, but I guess that is the Scream Queen's way, we bid goodbye to one of the greatest minds the world has ever known, Dr. Stephen Hawking, who I think would have found this absolutely hilarious. He must—he had a great sense of humor, and Flem is pecking me in the back of the head, just saying, wrap it up, Patrick. Rest in peace, Dr. Hawking. We love you. <laughs>